Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we're going to take you through a really interesting topic today. Uh, it is two chicks sitting on a couch talking about men, but bear with us. We've got some very, very interesting things to talk about with regards to male aggression, um, female victims, boundary lines, traumas, shadow sides, and some other things we're going to be going into in great detail in today's topic, which I think you'll actually find quite fascinating, men and women both. Um, Jane, who of course has dealt with many, many thousands of clients over her years of dealing with singles and rebounders and divorcees and daters. Um, of course, with statistics being what they are, with sexual abuse, you know, one in three, I believe it is at the moment in Australia, um, you're, Jane, going to be coming across a lot of women who at some point in their life have been um, at the hands of a male perpetrator, victim or abuser, correct? Absolutely. I actually suspect it's higher than one in three because this is just what's reported. Reported to who? Reported to, to the medical profession, reported to the police. I mean, most... It's not reported to anyone. No, and the I mean, most it would be reported to is to a best friend. I, and I, that's right, because I mean, I know from my experience, I've counselled people who, you know, girls. I'm thinking of a girl in particular who was um, violently attacked at the age of 15 when she snuck out to go to a nightclub, and you know, she's never told her mum, and she's really close to her mum. Girls won't tell their parents. That's right. Why absolutely. won't they tell them? Because of shame. Yep. Because the parents they feel that it's their fault. There is a sense of blame that I did something to encourage this, I asked for it, I brought it on, I made a mistake that I'm embarrassed by and I feel shamed about this and I'm worried about what other people are going to judge me. Yes. And often the biggest mistake that people make is, well, most people will share a secret with at least one person. And who that person is really determines what happens from there on. Mm. How that person reacts determines how you then proceed in the healing process from this trauma. In fact, that's the number one thing that I know when I've been doing child protection with the police and so forth, it's an obligatory course that you have to take here in Australia if you work with children in any capacity. Um, and one of the strongest things that they drilled into our brains was if a child or any, anyone confides in you some sort of episode of trauma or abuse, um, first of all, count yourself extremely honoured that they feel safe enough to tell you, and that is just as I love that honour. It is mm, such a privilege, it's a isn't it? It really thing, is, and it's a responsibility to take, you know, not lightly. Second of all, it's incredibly important that you give absolutely no reaction in terms of a bit of a poker face, because they're just waiting for you to show them you know, disgust or shock or horror or anger or something, and that's not what they need. They're, they're very tentatively reaching out and looking for, you know, comfort, reassurance. It's not you. You know, it wasn't your fault. That's the only thing you're really supposed to tell them. Thank you for telling me. It's not your fault. Um, and then you take it to a higher means. Right. I love that. That's that's so important, isn't it? And I think that it's really important that we try and teach our children that, you know, stuff does happen. We can't protect them from everything, and nor should we. This is part of their journey in life. However, we don't want them to have the bad stuff happen. No. But when it does, we want to make sure that we've set their way, that they have actually got good people around them that they're going to go to if they feel that they can't come to you. That's right. And they don't. they often won't go to the parents because they are fearful of, being looked at as less than. Nobody tells their parents anything when they're a teenager. Let's get <laughs> real. 
come on. And I know that in schools they teach kids this protective behaviour stuff now, which is slightly different to what it was a thousand years ago when I went through primary school. But they get the kids to hold up their hand, five fingers. Yes. So each finger is you've got to create a chain or a network of confidants or people that you would tell to. So if uh, something bad happens to you, you go and tell the first person on, on your thumb. And if that person doesn't listen, you move to the index finger and you tell the person you've nominated for that finger and so on. And you move through the hand until somebody listens. And you know what's so beautiful about that, that they're teaching and empowering children with this tool now. But I actually think there's a lot of adults that have not heard this. And there are a lot of adults that just automatically, the first person they think of, they either go around to their home or pick up the phone and have a chat with them. But when trauma happens to adult women, stop and think, or people, let's say people, stop and think, who really can help you? Who's really going to give you the love and nurturing and acceptance without judgment? We've got to be really careful who we share our inner circle with. Yeah, and let me ask you, Jane, so when you were a young girl and you were at school, say, in the 70s or whenever, um, you know... 60s and 70s. So that's even better because even earlier back, did they have any form of support or program back then to teach people how to handle crisis? Because by the 80s, when I was going through, they definitely had... No, nothing, zero, nothing, nothing, nothing. Don't talk about it, nothing happens. Hence why adult women now have no tools in their toolkit or language to use when this kind of thing happens in their lives. That's right. No, it's all very, it was all very shameful. It was, I don't know, look, I just recently rewatched on Foxtel, they had that, um, Brides of Christ series. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> How fabulous. Yeah, that was an amazing well, I show. It first time round. I don't know. I must have been overseas when well, it was look, out. I was a very was young girl. Fabulous. I was young when that came out, and I can still vividly recall shocking scenes from that miniseries because it opened me up to a world that I didn't know existed. Like, I'm not talking about nuns. I'm talking about stuff that women and and men and women go through in their lives, a lot of which is always kept behind closed doors because we never talk about it. Polite society, 50s and 60s, we hush it up, you know, look good for the neighbours. That's it. Stepford wives. (laughs) Absolutely. And so, no, there was nothing growing up. There was starting to be towards the end of my high school years, which was late 70s. So I finished year 12 in in, um, 1918. It was just starting to come in then. Um, You had the school counsellor in high school. In primary school, you had the school nurse. Right. Take two Panadol and go home. Exactly. (laughs) Lay down. Take a bet. I've got a period. I don't want to do soccer today. Okay. So what we're dealing with here is. You didn't even say the word period. It was, oh, is it your time? My time for what? Some of that not using actual words to describe normal bodily functions, which we've got to get over. So basically what was happening in, you know, those later decades of the 20th century was the impact of feminism was starting to come through as well. And see, where we've arrived now in the 21st century is men and women, and this is this, this could be the topic of many podcasts, but we are actually incredibly confused about many of our roles. And to actually look at men now, because if we're talking about perpetrators and abusers and violence and all of that, of course, the statistics, if I can get it out, the statistics show it is still mainly the, the blokes who are doing it. They are 30% physically stronger. We know this, okay? And, and there's also a hell of a lot of diatribe right now out there about what is the definition of a 21st century male? What does he look like? He doesn't have woolly mammoths to kill. He's got a lot of computer hours. He's got to sit in a chair and do a lot of office work. You know, often we've got a lot of single mums now, divorce rate 49%. There's a lot of boys out there without strong male role models in the house. Um, we've, you know, we've got some very held up figures in celebrity culture society who aren't particularly the best role models. We've got a hell of a lot of female teachers in schools and not a lot, not enough blokes and maybe dads getting out there in the community and coaching the sports teams or leading the scouts groups. So as a result, we've got a lot of 
boys running around with highly over-feminized, really strong girls who've been, who've really benefited from the feminist revolution. They've, girls can do anything. We can be a prime minister if we want to now in this country. You know, we know that we can achieve and all of the results in school show girls are outperforming boys. Okay. So this is the background with what we're talking about. And in amongst all of this, we have some males who've never been shown how to channel the beauty of their physical strength and prowess and aggression, whatever you want to call it, their Mars energy, their alpha, you know, uh, the stuff that makes them male, which is a gorgeous and beautiful thing, particularly when it's handled right. Yeah. I'm going to pass this over to you. Okay, <laughs> right. Look, I think one of the biggest problems is, is, the, is the alpha shadow side. You know, it's that we haven't perhaps, I'm just putting it out there, but I feel that we haven't helped men to learn how to deal with their shadow side, how to deal with their aggression, with their anger. I mean, we have so many men in anger management. We've got so many people that are scared of men. Can I just take a step back, though? Yeah. I have to say, and I really want to get this out there, that I have also met a lot of men that have been physically abused by women. Much less underreported. Absolutely, because yeah. imagine the shame that is attached to that. Yeah, that is not And yet, out. you know, the, the men that I have spoken to that this has happened to really are some of the most beautiful men I've ever met. And they've got such beautiful boundaries in the sense that, and, and wonderful restraint that they won't release negative aggression and that they actually won't, you know, if, if a female is physically attacking them, if they're hitting them. They won't hit back, you know, and you've got to hand it to them. Mm. That's incredible discipline. There is because the other half, of course, of those victims, let's say boys of, you know, childhood sexual abuse, of course, repeat the cycle and we've got the statistics there too. And we know, for example, in the military, you know, there's a lot going on in jails. There's a lot of perpetration in those environments too. Again, never talked about. I'm so pleased that you, you, you actually brought this up because I think this is what's unreported is the sheer number of men that have been sexually abused as children. It is, I believe, pandemic, and I think this is what is at the guts of male inappropriate aggression. And confusion, and, and yeah, it's almost a bit of gender confusion going on. Totally. About, you know, we've just, we've just travelled so far. I mean, for centuries and centuries and centuries, we've held such clearly defined roles, and to completely turn those roles on their heads in the space of, you know, a handful of years yeah. has led to just it is actually a type of chaos. I mean, it looks like it, you know, you, to, to glance at society, it seems like we've all got it together and we're all going about our business and we're all conducting ourselves quite nicely. But actually under the surface, we have a lot of emotional angst, trauma and confusion, which people are holding under their hats. Absolutely. Which is hence why we have such an abundance of, of things such as, you know, depression and disconnection and, um, a sense of hopelessness and various different mental illnesses. You know, there's so much coming pandemic quantities because of this. And I really do think this all comes back to childhood. And I think it really does all come back to many, many men that have been abused. Mm. And I think what would be really healthy in our society is for men to feel very comfortable about talking about this in their childhood. Yes. But part of that is that tough little soldiers, you know, our beautiful men have been brought up from the time they're very, very young boys to toughen up. Don't show your emotions. Don't be a crybaby. Um, you know, keep it on the inside. Suppress, suppress, suppress. And, you know, and we know what happens to emotions when it's suppressed. It just churns away inside, getting more and more toxic, more and more anger is, is, is in there until it explodes. Yeah. Two of the most basic things to be aware of if you have a little boy are the first one is 
make sure that you language with him from a very early age because while girls pick up language and run with it, as we know, blah, 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 girls are chatterboxes and all of that, and boys, you know, especially when they're 14, grunt and slam the door, um, the more you really, really engage your boy in stories, talking, singing, rhymes, imagination, poetry from a very young age, the better connected his left and right brain hemispheres will be in actually you know, taking on those sorts of connections which girls are just a bit ahead of the eight ball in. Okay. okay. This is actual mechanic stuff. You can read all about this. I like learning about <laughs> this. This is good. Okay. And the second thing is we've got statistics that, that, you know, we've done studies to show that, yes, parents or men and women in society behave differently when a little boy cries to when a little girl cries. Toughen up, slap on mum on the bum, you'll yeah. be right. Come on, mate, didn't hurt that much. Off you go, little girl, we pick her up, mummy will kiss it, all of this kind of, you know, we, we coddle them. Um, nature, nurture, these are very deep arguments, but of course it's been shown that little boys need so much love, they need so much affection, and contrary to what some blokes or some people are afraid of, it's not going to soften them up and they won't be wusses. It's very important and crucially healthy to their self-esteem to be shown deep affection as young men because it's the only way they'll understand how to have that that active part of you know inside them balanced with their incredible physique and masculinity which is also zinging away with all the testosterone that starts flooding through them and all of that. So, and you know, it's said that the mother needs to be aware with when raising boys that she is, in a sense, it's like the first pseudo lover, which is a terrible kind of psychology sort of a metaphor. But it is that idea that you know the mother is going to model to the boy his first um, understanding of interacting with women. And if mum is beautiful and gentle and listens and you know gives him lots of cuddles and hugs and shows him how to be an affectionate lover and, a, and an affectionate boy, um, obviously. Obviously, as he gets older into his teens and 20s, he'll be able to very comfortably integrate that out into his relationships and not only, you know, physically being affectionate and being comfortable showing his emotions but being able to talk to girls and communicate. Nice. So can we line your boy up for my girls? He sounds fabulous. Well, my boy's four, so he's a bit behind your girls, Jane. <laughs> and, I mean, look, myself as a mother, I'm only just, um, you know, applying some of these principles myself because, I mean, I've read Steve Bidolf, who, for those of you sitting there with pens and paper listening, Steve Bidolf is the leading authority. He was father in the year, father of the year in 2000. He, his books have been read by over 4 million people translated into, into 27 languages. And he's, his, his main book is called Raising Boys, and he's also written one on man and one on raising girls and he is he's just brilliant at nailing what it is that we're doing right and what it is that we're doing wrong with how we nurture and foster and raise young men in our communities well it's interesting you touched on and i think this is particularly you know this aussie thing of of tough blokes you know, we've got such a big cultural thing here of, of I don't want a wussy child. Stop it, you're going to make him gay. And apologies <laughs> to the beautiful gay people. I've got so many gorgeous gay friends. But, you know, like, yeah, we've got we to get have, over that. We do have to get over that, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this is beautiful. I love that you're sharing all these gorgeous tools of how can we change this for future generations, which is exciting. It is. But what about our guys now? What about our men that are struggling, that they've, you know, whether they've been in the dare I say it, the Catholic system, right. you know. I mean, well, my father worked, was at boarding school in a Catholic school and while, and he will not talk about it and, and, and I respect that, you know, that that's his choice. Mm. But he has said absolutely that there were friends of his that he knew stuff was going on, uh, stuff, so. stuff, you know, they can't even use the right words. Mm. It's shocking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not, not, of course, to just tar everyone with the same brush, which is lazy, but... There is this understanding that men of that generation, so I'm kind of talking, you know, 
here in Australia, white, middle class, 1950s kind of blokes, right? Let's look at the kinds of fathers they had, you know. You know, I can actually talk about my own father here. My father was raised in a household where he was definitely loved, but no affection was ever shown. It was very typical for that era. Very typical of that era. And so my dad is one of those people who never hugs, and if he does, he's rigid or he pulls away quickly. And all of that, of course, at a deeper level is fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. Now, for a little girl growing up, the problem is with daughters. What daughters get from their fathers is self-esteem. Dad teaches a girl her worth. And the way that a dad behaves to and speaks to his daughter teaches her how to value herself so that when she goes out in the world later and looks for, you know, partners to pair up with, she's going to either get the kind of male who, you know, is going to, or, you know, like maybe because maybe dad didn't show her, uh, you know, maybe dad made a comment like, oh, you don't want to eat those chips, love, or you, you could do without that packet of chips. That's right. How's that going to impact, you know, she's going to end up with a man who's yeah. going to be like, oh, if only you could just slim down and be slimmer like your girlfriends, or if only, you know, and all of these layers I of know. stuff. And you know, I've always said that, you know, if, if a daughter isn't doesn't feel loved by her father, she's emotionally vulnerable to the first man that comes along mm-hmm. and makes her feel good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we saw that in, in movies, Puberty Blues, you know, off they go and they're seeking this validation externally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so how do we help men that are grown men, you know, that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, beyond, mm-hmm. that are, they are angry, they know they've got issues, mm-hmm. but they know where it comes from, but how do we help them to step through and heal from this? So I think one of the first things is um, conscious awareness, of course. So it's it's not just going through life like a zombie and operating on autopilot. It's actually think, sitting down in quiet reflection or with a pen and paper and looking at the areas of your life. And if we're going to deal with relationships for the sake of this, because, Jane, we're on the Love Live show, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's so if a bloke sits down and he's going to have a think about, okay, so how was I fathered? How was I mothered? How did I feel when I was a little boy about the emotional landscape I was raised in? How did it make me feel? Perhaps how did it make me respond in the schoolyard? Who was my first girlfriend? How old was I when I met her? How did I treat her? How did she treat me? What are my patterns? As I get older in life, what have I been attracting? What is it teaching me? What do I need to learn? And it's this sort of open emotional awareness, this sort of deeper level of consciousness that we must ask ourselves, because guess what, people? I know there's therapists out there, but no one ain't going to do this for you. If you want to get deep into your own stuff, you've got to ask the deeper questions and be prepared to go into the deeper layers of what's made you who you are. So it's going back, it's taking a visit down memory lane and really looking clearly at that scenario or various different scenarios that have helped to form the automatic reactions that are occurring in their life now. Correct. So as they go back and look at that patterning, they can start to reframe things and by reframing they can start to look at a particular incident with adult eyes instead of with childlike eyes Mm. and recognise it for what it was and then actually change to what it could be and adapt that as part of their psychic for now. Is that yeah, and what look, you're saying? And we've got blokes out there, and we can actually talk about dating and relationships, of course, as well in a minute. But for, for blokes out there who are dads or are soon to be fathers, make sure you don't repeat patterns or cycles with your children or with your sons. So, again, that conscious awareness of how was I fathered 
did I like it? You know, was it good? Was it was it wholesome? Was it conducive? If not, what do you need to get over in yourself in order to have enough of a paradigm shift to make sure you don't become your father? And you know how we walk around saying, I'm never going to be like my mother. Oh, my God, my mum used to do this. And then one day you say something and you say, I just, my mum used to say that. <laughs> or I, I sound like her. I mean, it's this is this is stuff that happens. We, we repeat cycles endlessly until we waken up and break them. And the ability to be able to raise a fist or to rape somebody or to to be in any way physically abusive absolutely is a cycle. Mm. You know, it's happened to them and therefore it's okay for them to do it to it's, someone else. It's modelled at home. It's all they've ever known and it's the way that they're taught to use emotion or to communicate without using words, okay? So this this keeps going back to the way that we raise our boys. So whether it's the way you were raised or whether, like I said before, if, if you've got a young child in the house. So boys and dads love to play fight. Don't we know it? Like they're always tackling each other, rolling around on the floor. Mum's like, can you all just settle down? It's nearly bedtime. Calm down. Mum's always trying to calm it down. Dad's just want to rough it up, you know. <laughs> and actually what they've found is, and this happens across all cultures in the world and it is so important because when dad roughhouses with son it's fun it's fun it's fun it's fun and then dad will be like ah because he's crossed the line and so no we don't do that then people get hurt or no no okay that's enough we're stopping now dad no we're stopping now and the boy learns Uh, when to stop when to curb Ah. and it's a very important lesson in his own personal power now i'm having my own aha moment because i sit here not that i have boys but i sit here going this is going to end in tears this is going to end in tears and it ends in tears Mm. so Ah. that's right so boys when they're young uh you know like i've got a four-year-old when they're four they're flooded with something like 800 times of testosterone 800 percent or something i'm I'm useless with statistics people in case you haven't noticed number and I'll chuck it at you. No, but boys are flooded with an enormous wave of testosterone at the age of four. And that's exactly when they don't know the strength of their own power, right? So my little boy, he's running around the house, he's bashing up his sister. And that's where dad needs to step in. And he actually needs needs to start saying, you know, showing a boy how is appropriate and inappropriate to treat others. And also the mother. So, and this, you know, they talk a lot with teenage boys. Teenage boys go through a really important stage where um, they actually separate from mum a bit. And that is the grunting and the banging of doors and don't come in my space and I won't talk to you or tell you anything. And you see in ancient cultures, of course, that was the age when boys were taken away by the men to do rites of passage and initiations. Some of them, they were separated from their mums for two years and didn't even speak to them because at that point, mother had to be, it's almost like the boy had to be removed from mother's breast. He had to be manned up. But that was handled in a much wiser way than we have now. They had elders to handle that knowledge right. and instruct the boys into manhood. These days, we don't have that. We've got single mums, bless their cotton socks. We've got boys running around schools full of female teachers. What do they do? They join gangs looking for mentors and role models, but it's a sibling society. It's all just boys t- trying to teach boys how to be a man. They look to Rambo. You know, they look to gladiators, sports heroes to try and figure out what masculinity is, and it's not always the best. We've got our rugby players in the news. We've got our footy players in the news for scandals for drugging for raping for you know so okay so where am I going (laughs) what I'm getting from this is that so adult men that have control issues that with with violence or with uh, physical abuse they don't have the off switch they don't get the warning so when they start to feel this anger, you know, the jaw gets clenched, the back gets clenched, the gut's tightening up, they're starting to shoulders the back, everything's getting really powerful and dynamic. What are some of the tools that we can help them to try and be more aware of what is a healthy boundary? How can they 
How can they become aware of this rage coming up and then try and either move away from the temptation in the early stages while they're learning. I mean, there's two sides to it. Like, yes, you've got to go back and heal your past. But in the immediate, the most encouraging thing for this, because I'm sure they are beautiful men that don't wish to be hurting other women. They don't want to be doing this. And I'm, I'm sure they're probably hardest on themselves. Of course. And And so I would like to be able to help men in this situation to be able to put some tools in place to encourage them to do the work by healing their past, by getting some good instant results of, you know, every Friday night I go home, I have too much to drink and I cop one to the wife. Well, what can we help them to do to try and not cross that line? So I'm feeling like can they can we start to get them aware of their physical body, of the changes that happen in their body when that big negative powerful energy comes in and starts to consume their body I mean they would physically feel it but maybe they're not aware of that so just by starting to feel the change in their body feel the tenseness of whether it's their butt or their stomach or their arms or their shoulders or their jaw Mm. whatever part of their body is really tensing up with this energy they just want to crack it out there Mm. that is the time for them to go right I need to do something really alpha now. And I'm thinking maybe something really physical, like yes. get go out and have a massive run, get on a treadmill, have a boxing thing. What are those things that you can, you know, punching, uh, bag. punching bags? Mm. Um, get on the Wii mm. solo, not with anyone else who clean them up. But, you know, it's like there is a physical energy that has to come out. Yeah. Um, so do that. Now, one of the things I used to have, which worked for both men and women, but it was really cool for guys actually was, this is so off the track in one way. I had a screening room. I used to have a company where I employed a lot of entertainers and they would, one entertainer would come to rehearsal in a bad mood and, you know, they're pretty big energies. They can actually pull the whole cast right down. And so if somebody walked in a bad mood, I used to send them off to the screening room and they had to scream as loud as they could and try and get this stuff out of their body. And every single time they would walk back in better. Now, not fixed but some of it had lessened it. Mm. So I wonder whether the same thing would work for these guys. Get outside and scream, roar, get this out. You've got to find your outlet. Maybe you're a man who's working really long hours in an office job and you're not venting enough of that incredible pent-up physicality, which, you know, again, studies and science show boys, their bodies are always needing to move. They they had to, hunter-gatherers. You had to run around and catch something every day to eat or you'd die. We've got men caged up in boxes and factories and offices and stuff now and where's their physicality going to a half hour of sport on a Friday night and then as they get older they're drinking more beer they let the sport go they don't they're not even having a social cricket anymore like you know so yes and triggers I think men when you're talking about that Jane when men get flooded with anger and this goes for anyone let's not even let's not even target men everyone can have anger management issues okay and if you are a violent if if violence is your first inclination when you're flooded with just that red rage um you got to back to the conscious awareness start being aware of what your triggers are and i know this is boring and cliched and nobody wants to do this kind of work but yes it goes back to inner child stuff there's a little person inside inside any angry male or female who is begging to be held loved and cuddled because back in the day when they were four or six or 12 and energy at home was intense mum and dad were smashing glasses chucking each other out throwing each other into the wall or whatever was happening and all that child wanted was safety and comfort and you've got a raging adult on your hands as a a long-term result of this still seeking without knowing how or even why security and comfort okay 
get real and get aware of this kind of stuff. There's only about a million support groups in the world to help with these sorts of issues. I mean, all the support is there, but you've got to come to the point of awareness and realisation, whether you are the perpetrator or the victim, that it's about self-worth, it's about self-love, you do deserve better, even if you don't know what that feels like because you've never seen real love modelled before. Yeah. But, but knowing that you don't have to settle for this. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's interesting. This week I um, met a lovely lady who is in a marriage. She's uh, in her mid-50s and has a child who um, is high needs. The child has said if mum and dad ever split up, he will suicide. And dad has become quite a uh, narcissist. And this poor lady was saying, you know, I won't leave. I won't risk that with my child. And so she wanted me to give her some tools for happiness. How can she try and manage this? And I imagine there'd be potentially a lot of women or men, a lot of people that are listening to this that are partnered with somebody that they do dearly love. Um, whether they can or can't leave, whether they want to or don't want to is irrelevant. If they've chosen to be in this relationship, how can they try and support this person that is so angry and violent? so that they can minimalise the damage that is done. And I think by being really aware of what the other person's triggers are, and it is about coming back to do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? So don't worry about being right all the time. Even though you know that you might be right, it's going to end It's going to end in tears. So maybe look at being happy instead and being really consciously aware of what your partner's individual triggers are and trying to keep your energy levels really good so that you've got the ability and the resilience to not be buying into those triggers, to be able to manage them for that person for them, to help them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. And it all goes back to the onus is on, is on the individual, which is what this kind of work at the end of the day is all about. It's about free thinking, self-responsibility, and personal empowerment, okay? And to get into a little bit of the spiritual side of things, you know, there's always going to, if you are a victim, for example, if you want to call yourself a quote, victim, unquote, if there's been people in your life who've mistreated you, you've had some bad experiences, you had a bad childhood, you've had a bad marriage, um, absolutely you may be a bit of a product of where you've come from, but there does come a point when you can't be a 47-year-old victim because you're too damn old, you know, and there's got to come a point where you have a little wake-up call and you say, Fair enough, this stuff happened, and I, I'm completely within my rights to feel angry about it or need to process it or need to do some forgiveness or, you know, rage, whatever the emotions are. Absolutely go into your screaming room. And I've told people to do this too because adults never cry. I've said to women, go into the bathroom on a day when nobody's home, lock the door, and you don't come out until you've let everything out. Cry, scream, ugly cry, pull your hair, kick, moan, get it out. So important it's to get this so energy out. And we all yeah. know that, you know, emotions are the cause of all illness. Yes. And, you know, we're doing a show on the wellness couch. This ties in beautifully with all of the other gorgeous podcasts that if we're not dealing with the raw emotion that's being suppressed and trapped within our bodies, it is going to manifest as yucky stuff in your body. You're going to make a lovely tumour for yourself. Absolutely. Know? That's right. You bottle it up for 40 years. Look what you've got. Hey, mum, I didn't deal with it emotionally, but my body made it something out of it physically. And that's, that's right. We've got to store yeah. it somewhere. We have to store these strong, incredibly strong emotions somewhere in our body and they come out as the ugly health conditions that we deal with today. So... um Back to the spiritual sort of take, I was just going to say, so if you are somebody that's had a long line of really bad or traumatic experiences, um, there does need to be a bit of a higher understanding as well of the gifts and the lessons in what you've received. So um, like I said, by, by all means call him an X, Y, Z, and I never want to have anything to do with him again. 
um, but also realise it takes two to tango. There was an exchange of energy that happened in that relationship and that something about it I would absolutely, um, just undoubtedly hold to be true that you have gained some sort of strength or quality from that experience. You definitely, you haven't walked away with nothing despite what it may seem. Maybe physically, maybe financially you feel like you've walked away with nothing, but what you would have walked away with emotionally and spiritually and again, even if you feel shattered, I'm, I'm often talking long-term perspective, you know, 10 years later when you look back, you'll have some massive realizations about how you're the person you are today because of what you went through and how you'd be a very different person, obviously, if you hadn't been through it and maybe not as tough a person or as strong a person or as wise a person. That's right. Mm-hmm. And if you are the perpetrator, I really want to wrap my arms around you I want to tell you that you are worthy, that you are so beautiful and that it's okay and it's okay to start to change now. You don't have to stay this way forever. You know, you can have a victim story. You can be the victim as the perpetrator. I totally get that, but you don't need to stay this way. A victim story is only a story up until the day that you choose to get a new story. You are so worthy and I strongly encourage you to start moving to a greater, happier day for you tomorrow. Once people figure out their own stuff, you've got to turn around and teach it and share it because that's then your responsibility. So if you have come through a 45-year abusive marriage and 15 years after that, you know, there's going to be other women around you that could use something of what you've got to tell them because you didn't learn nothing in 40 years. That's you've right. got stuff to share. Uh, whether you believe it or not, whether you've got the confidence or not. I'm not saying stand on a stage or appear on Oprah necessarily, but there could be, you know, a girl that you always see at the bus stop or, you know, your son brings a new girlfriend home who seems a bit timid or there'll be people in your life who you can have gentle chats to. And when you see warning signs, stop things before they blow into forest fires. Beautiful. Jane, I think we've got to wrap this one up. I could talk to you forever. This might need a part two. If you'd like to continue the discussion, join us on Facebook. We've loved having you, and we'll see you next week on The Wellness Couch with Love Life. Thank you. Have an awesome day. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.